Uh, turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew. Um, we haven't been in the book of Matthew and our study of the book of Matthew since November, I believe. Um, but we're picking it up in chapter 12. <coughs> and I want to remind you, uh, for those of you who have bad memories and uh, can't remember back to the November, but that Matthew is a book about the king and his kingdom. And Jesus being the king and uh, him presenting a different kingdom, I, I want to remind you that it's different. It's different. Uh, it's not your kingdom with his blessing. It's not uh, your kingdom with your upbringing. It's not your kingdom with your uh patriotism to our country it's just simply his kingdom and as jesus presented uh himself and his kingdom i want to tell you that it was shocking uh to those people and and they struggled to get it they struggled to embrace it and and even as they saw parts of it and understood it uh there was this no we don't want it for many, they, they pushed away and they said, no, I'll do it my own way. I'll do it my own way. Um, and today we're going to go over a passage again uh, that has an interaction like this, that no, I'll do it my own way. The last uh, month we've been talking about service. And I, I, I want to remind you uh, that service comes after you have a new king. It comes after you get in relationship with the new king, Jesus Christ, and then you are his servant. It's not that you're a servant earning your way into position with the king. Uh, that's the wrong way. Um, your service will never gain you position with the king. He will never be impressed with your service. Uh, he wants relationship with you. I think there's a danger in our uh, self-made world, at least we think so, that we think we can be great. We think that life is all about being great. And if there's some emptiness in us, we just got to figure out how to make ourselves great um, and how we can overcome that. If we feel guilty, we do something that will make us feel good. If we did something bad, there should be a corresponding good thing that we do that somehow gets us out of that bad feeling. Kind of X's it out, if you will. And even as I shared with the kids, there's only one. It's Jesus Christ. It's only Him. <laughs> if you turn in your Bibles to Matthew 12, I'd like to read to you, uh, starting at verse 38. And I want to tell you that the the previous section we've dealt with, the, the, the big issue was the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That Jesus was uh, doing, He was being who He was, healing, casting out. And it was attributed not to a work of God, that He was God come in the flesh, but rather it was attributed to demons. Because they didn't like the answer they came up with. If Jesus was who he says he was, they would have to follow him. They would have to listen to him. But instead, they were like, oh, let's make something up. Let's uh, 
in fact, let's try to turn this around to make him that which is good to be that which is bad. And then uh, we have a section that we're going to go through this morning. My Bible, it's titled The Sign of Jonah. We stand in honor of God's word and I'd like to read to you uh, from verse 38. God's word says this. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet of Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, some, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up at, at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. When the unclean spirit, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through a waterless places seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. The last state of that person is worse than the first. So also will it be with this evil generation. Please join with me in prayer. God, I ask that you help us navigate through this passage, that we would not um, love the education of it more than we would love the application of it. That we would see your word and its truth, see the person of Jesus, and that we would cling to him as our king, the one we follow, the one we need. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This is a tough section, so we're going to get moving here. Um, I, I want to just remind you of one simple truth. As, as we look at the book of Matthew, it's Jesus walking, teaching, talking, doing miracles. <coughs> that's what's happening. That, that's what's going on. That's, it, it, if we were there, we could follow him around. We, we could uh, take pictures of him with his followers, with people coming to question him, with those wanting to uh, find fault in him. We could, we could see all those people. And, and in the middle of that, as Jesus is going about being who he is, the king, um, we see in verse 38 that there's another group. I, I would even say a delegation, an elite delegation. Of scribes and Pharisees. They came and, and they're kind of the backdrop of much of uh, Matthew is they're always around. Sometimes they're engaged in conversation. Other times they're on the outskirts. 
And as these scribes and Pharisees, probably a smaller delegation elite, the smarter ones, the ones that were sent to question Jesus, they come before him and this is what they say. Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. Um, they, they use the term teacher. I, I don't think they were submitting as students. Uh, they might have even been mocking as they shared. The, they, they referred to him as teacher. Uh, because they would have been referred to as teachers as well. And they were probably referring to the followers and how they looked to him as teacher. And he says, oh, great teacher. Teacher, this is what we want you to do. If you want to show us who you are, give us a picture of what you're doing. By giving us a sign. By giving us a sign. I want to remind you of something very simple. That they were standing before Jesus. They were standing before Jesus. And what they were saying is, Jesus, do something to impress us. Do something great. Uh, There's a little difference in the nuances of the difference between miracles and signs. Signs probably being bigger, like like the thing from heaven, the the opening of the clouds, a lightning bolt or something like that. But the miracles, if you think through the book of Matthew, he'd already done them. He'd already done them over and over. And sometimes they were referred to as just kind of, yeah, and he did a bunch of miracles there. Uh, Some were specifically talked about and others were just, he, he was doing this in the area. So he'd already done miracles. He'd already taught. They would have known who he was, what he had said, his message. They saw Jesus before them and they said, Hey, Jesus, why don't you do something great to impress us? Show us how great you are. Show us that we should follow you as your teacher, as your your student, that you would be our teacher. This is what they ask for. And I don't want to uh, go too far too quickly here, but uh, this is many of us today. This is many of us. In our intellect, we, we, we sit back with our arms folded and we speak to the Lord Jesus in ways where we say, impress me. Show me how great you are. Why don't you do something neat so I'll think it's neat? Um, We have this attitude that that somehow today is the day that Jesus has to do something that would impress us. And I want to remind you that Jesus was standing before them. He was standing before them. As as we look at God's word... um, we get the response of Jesus. Uh, their their, their qu- question or what they demand is, we want a sign. We want a sign. We want you to show us something great. Um, and Jesus' response is, no. No, I've already showed you enough. And not even I've already showed you enough, but his two examples, his, his two pieces of his own greatness were seemingly unrelated things from the Old Testament. 
where God showed His power in the Old Testament. Two stories. One that was just simply... Uh, well, let's look at them. Uh, the first one being... And, and you can think of this as a past record that Jesus puts before them. For, first of all, just, just in case you, you were wondering it, what Jesus thought about this, he, he terms them a wicked and adulterous generation. I think everybody knew where that conversation went at that point. Uh, I, I think everybody understood where everybody stood. Um, a, a wicked and, and adulterous generation. And I believe he wasn't just talking about everybody of that day, but specifically, specifically, and maybe others, but specifically the religious leaders and their followers. He says, you, you wicked you wicked and adulterous generation. Um, the reason this would have kind of shocked everybody is because the religious leaders thought themselves to be the best. The best that the generation or the culture had to offer was them. They, they were the ones that everyone looked to. And, and Jesus said, you're wicked. You're wicked. Uh, he wasn't talking about their externals. He was talking about who they were as in their person, a wicked. And he, he uses this other word, adulterous. God's people, as they would have found Jesus, been waiting for the Messiah, they should have gone, He's here. He's here. We embrace Him. This is what we've been living for. This is what we've been waiting for. This is the intimacy and the faithfulness with our God that we've been wanting. Our Savior is here. But instead, uh, they're standoffish. They're accusing. They're rejecting. They're mocking. And so he says, you wicked and adulterous generation. As we look at this, he says, I'm not going to give you a sign. I'm not going to give you another sign. Um, but I'm going to speak to you about Jonah. And they, he points him back to the book of Jonah, the story of Jonah in the Old Testament. Um, and, and I want to tell you, this is real. This is real. It makes for good kids uh, stories, but it makes for important, important adult teaching. Um some of you scientists out there have bought into uh, some bad science. That science is only as big as your brain or the collective brain of people. Um, the one who uh, created your brain is bigger than your brain. Okay? Simple. You say, you don't know much science. I don't. I don't. But that, that I do know. You say, well, you know, they've, they've decided, you know, they've seen whales and that really couldn't happen with the way that whales and this and that and, um, there's two things i want to say about that the first one uh, is this we just assume it to be a whale because uh, it was that big it actually says great fish and you say well there's no great fishes that are big, big enough. i want to tell you uh, god had a whale or a great fish or whatever you want to call it that big Big enough that could swallow a whole person. And you say, well, that can't be. We've never found it. The one who made your brain also made the things of the sea. Okay? 
and also was working out his plan. Um, and, and if you limit God to what you can understand, uh, you may feel confident, but you're wrong. You're wrong. So he speaks of Jonah, and he speaks of the one thing uh, about Jonah, that this whole time period thing, and he connects it with himself, of what is going on. He, he speaks of the prophecy of... He, he, prophesies about himself what what he's going to do not in many years but in a in a short period of time he says in verse 40 for as jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish so the son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth he speaks of his his time between the time of his crucifixion and the time of his resurrection. And he speaks of this, this being that time where they are to look to and say, that's the sign. Not that he had died, not that he uh, was not alive and, and with us, but that that time period was over. The resurrection came. And then he says this in verse 41. Because of that time of Jonah, because of the, the connection with the Son of Man, the, the men of Nineveh will stand up at judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. If you remember the story of Jonah, it's I think it's five chapters. It's not uh, maybe a good read this afternoon. But as you remember, the Jonah didn't want to go to the Ninevites. He didn't want to go tell them. He didn't like them. He didn't. Figure out a reason in his own mind why they should be saved. And so he said, I'm not going to go. And that's what ended him up in the uh, belly of the great fish. He was there for three days. And then he was spit up on the shore. Um, that would be great to see, wouldn't it? Like that, you know, these are the kind of stories uh, that are awesome to, to visualize. <coughs> Excuse me. And as he did this, he figured he should go. And as he went to Nineveh and uh, shared with them the message, guess what they did? They repented. They changed. The idea of a message coming from God, uh, I want to I tell you, I want to tell you, some, sometimes the way we picture God speaking to us and the messages that, that he has, uh, we get confused. Jesus didn't come to tell you you're great. Uh, Jesus didn't come to say, hey, just be who you are, more of what... He came to change you. He came to change you. And so as, as God gave a message to Jonah to go to the Ninevites, he went there, he shared the message, you're doing wrong, you're doing wrong. God is not pleased with the life that you're, you're leading. And, and guess what happened? They repented. Because that's what you should do. When you find out that you are wrong in the eyes of God, you should repent. Give in. Agree with God. And that that repentance would lead you to the place where you cry out for God. And say, God, change me. Change me. That's what happened in Nineveh. That's what happened. And and he connects it and he says, I want you to know that that response that the Ninevites had, 
they will be a testimony against you. This wicked generation, this wicked and adulterous generation that won't repent. That hear the message and they say, ah, there's something wrong with it. I don't listen to Jesus. I don't believe that he is who he says he was. And he said, this, uh, the Ninevites and this generation. Interestingly, you'll see that, that phrase again, uh, this generation, in the next a little part when it speaks of Solomon. And the idea being that most likely the non-Jews, those who aren't uh, part of his chosen people, as they understand the message. You, you remember back uh, as John the Baptist came, many came to hear the message. The, to, to hear of his, his message about the kingdom. And, and many people came. And even to Jesus, many people came. Uh, many of them weren't Jewish. Because it, they, they accepted the message. And so what he's connecting here is the Ninevites will join with these people who responded. And guess what? They will be condemning because the, the message is you should repent. You should repent. Whoever you are. He should be your teacher. He should be your Lord. He should be your king. The sign of Jonah. Um, and it says this. It says this twice. I don't know if you heard this when I, I was reading. But it says this. Looking down at verse. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, verse 41. At the end it says something greater than jonah is here something greater struggle with the language there's something it's someone right but it's not just the person of jesus it's the plan of jesus it's that in christ who was before them god's loving plan of mercy was being worked out something greater is happening right now what is it it's salvation is coming to the king Jesus is standing before them and they say, hey, show me something great. <laughs> show me something great. It's as if they're, they're looking behind him. Is there anything else here? I'm looking for something different. You know, is there anything? Is there anyone important around here? Jesus, could you step aside? Um, sign of Jonah. And he says, look, that was significant. What Jonah did and the repentance that followed, but something greater then Jonah and the repentance of the Ninevites is here right now with you. <coughs> he connects uh, that story with, in verse 42 with the queen of the south, uh, Queen of Sheba. Um, you may have he heard and remember from the Old Testament that she came. She came with her entourage. She was known to have great wealth. And she she traveled a great distance through the desert, not um, a trip for a queen. But she came for one reason. She had heard of Solomon. Not just heard that he was smart, but understood that what was going on in him, his wisdom, that that was coming from God, that he was a man of God. That he was something special because of Solomon's God and his relationship with him. And so she traveled, not a, a short distance, but a long distance. Not just a simple uh, hopping in the minivan, we're going to drive. 
but rather with her whole crew or her entourage, they came. And why did they come? For a reason. They had, they had a purpose. To listen to Solomon's wisdom. They were clam- she was clamoring for wisdom. She, she couldn't help herself but want to hear what Solomon had to say. She was driven. She was driven by that. What does it say? At the end of <coughs> verse 42. And now something greater than Solomon is here. Who's standing before them? Jesus. Jesus is standing before them. And they're looking for someone else. Well, we move on to the doom of the wicked generation. What, what is, uh, what, what's going to happen for those who have rejected Christ? What, what are, what's going to happen for those who have a better way? Who think they have a different idea on His kingdom. That they, they, they have it on their own. L- listen to this. Jesus shares this story. Uh, most likely a parable type story where He made this up to show a point. He says, when an impure spirit comes out of a person... You get this picture of someone who has been uh, struggled with demon possession and they're struggling and they 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 somehow break themselves free. And you say, can that happen? Yes, it can. Uh, How does uh, how does the enemy get access to us? We give in. We give in. Uh, Through one particular sin or another, we give access so that that demon and maybe this person figured out, he says, I'm just going to stop doing that one sin. And the demon leaves. Wouldn't that be a great day, right? The relief, the relief of being oppressed and being a demon with you all the time. That would be amazing. And it shows this picture of this is what happens. Uh, it, this impure spirit comes out of a person. It goes through the arid places seeking rest. And does not find it. The idea goes through the desert. Looking for another person. Looking for another person. There's nobody in the desert. Goes around. There's nobody. And there's no place to reside. You look through the New Testament. And you realize that demons uh, like to be in people. In people or in things. in, In animals. But preferably people. In verse 44 it says. Then it says. I will return to the house I left. The person, I will go back to the place that I was. And when it, uh, when it arrives, it, it finds the house unoccupied, swept, clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in there and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. What I believe this passage is talking about is self-righteous works. That you're going to conquer all the things of life in and of yourself. You have someone struggling with some kind of enemy activity in them and they, they figure out a way that somehow that demon will leave them and they say, aha, great, he's gone, he's gone. Now I'm going to put my life in order. I'm going to sweep out this house. I'm going to put my shoes where they need to go. All my ducks are going to go in a row. Everything's clean, but I don't need Jesus. But I I don't need Him. I can do it on my own. 
The demon goes away. He comes back to the same house. He finds it unoccupied. Unoccupied. That's the key here. That it's not changing out my life of a mess in one which Jesus is now the center of my life. It's this self-made, I can do it on my own. I can keep things clean. I can keep things in order all by myself. It says this, that that same demon goes and grabs seven others and they go and his condition is worse than it was before. It's not the answer. It's not the answer. And he says, um, that's how it will be with this wicked generation. That's where self-righteousness leads us. To a bad situation. A, 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 a tormented situation. And all the while, I want to remind you that Jesus is standing before them. Standing before them. I want to give you three... Uh, Three landing points this morning to our message, hopefully to tie these things together for you. Um, the, the first thing I want you to consider is the critical nature of your immediate wholehearted response to Jesus. The critical nature of your immediate wholehearted response to Jesus. Um, it, it, it should be repulsive to us that as they heard about Jesus, as they listened to him, as they watched him do his miracles, that they were still, huh, show me something else. Show me something else. I want to tell you that if you're here this morning, if you're here this morning, you've already heard enough about Jesus to know that you need him. And your response, your response is not one to be standoffish with your arms folded, but to come in repentance to Jesus and say, you, I need you as my Lord. I need you as my King. I've messed up everything. I will listen to you. Would you forgive me? That, that's, that's what should happen right now. That's what should happen for you. Don't wait. Don't wait. Second thing I want to point out to you is God has spoken to you clearly in His Son, Jesus. You say, I wasn't there that day. Yeah, but you have His clear written word. You can read through the, the, the gospel accounts of what Jesus did, who He was. You can read through the, the Old Testament as it foretold the plan of God and it understood that a Messiah would come and you can see what they described the Messiah as and it's Jesus. It's the plan of God. God has spoken to you in His Son. Um, some of us are saying, uh, God, show me a sign. Show me a sign. You hold it in your hand. You hold it in your hand. Jesus is before you. Jesus is before you. If you don't want Him, if you don't want the Savior, that's fine. That's your decision. That's your prerogative. But there's nothing more that God can show you other than His Son. God has spoken to you clearly in His Son. The third thing I want to share with you is this. See, know, and reject 
the wicked generation all around you. See, know, and reject the, the wicked generation all around you. I think sometimes we get sucked in. We get sucked in. We say, you know, there are people who stand off on the sidelines, folding their arms, shaking their, their pointer finger at, at the Lord, saying, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, you can't do this, science doesn't prove this, this and that. And you go, well, yeah, well, yeah, that's true. See that, see that, know that, identify it as what? That is not, that is not humble submission. That is not the kind of person you want to be. That's a rejecter of Jesus. And you, and you want to be very careful that you don't get sucked in. I, I think especially of those of you who are young here today. Um, and if you're young, you're just younger than I am. Okay? If that's what you're wondering if you're young. Um, if you're old, you're just older than I am. I'm the perfect age uh, here this morning. Um, for those of you who are young, there's a danger for you to be impressed by intellect, be impressed by uh, these things and realize that, that they don't know more than God. That they are, in a similar way, He made you both. He made you both. There's not a superiority of man above God. The creation is not better than the Creator. Please consider these things. Um, and if you uh, need to respond to Jesus today, I'd love to speak with you personally. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning, the blessing of being before your word. Um, God, I ask that you do your work in our hearts now. Uh, thank you for sending your son Jesus to be our king. Uh, thank you for presenting him clearly before us that we could respond to him, not in a mocking way, but as a, uh, heartfelt, loyal, uh, needy student saying, teacher, teacher, please teach me. God, help us to walk with Christ this week. Do your work in us that we might reject sin and follow closely with you. Thank you for this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming this morning. You are dismissed.